be inspired to love life, to achieve extraordinary feats, and to change the world around you for the better. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. Dr. Claire Olbricht is a poet and editor from Newcastle, now living on Wiradjuri country in Parks. Her poetry has been published widely in Australia, New Zealand and Canada, and she's been a writer in residence across Australia and as far as New Mexico, USA. Claire's published books include Pinky Swear and Handshake, and her poem, The Anna Branch, won the 2022 Newcastle Poetry Prize. We're so lucky to be joined again by Dr. Claire Albrecht. Welcome back to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story, and we have Dr. Claire Albrecht back again today for her third story. So we had great first and second stories with Dr. Claire, and we are very thrilled to have her back. So welcome back, Claire. Thank you for having me again. Can you tell us today, Claire, what is your third story? Yeah, my third story is a bit nearer to now. It's from last year and it's around a trip that I took to New Mexico in the United States. So I'm not sure. I I can't recall if you've been to that part of the world, Kathleen. No, I've been to the United States many times for different reasons over my yeah. 60 years. Well, across 30, I started travelling to the States when I was in my 30s. However, I haven't been to New Mexico, so I'm very excited to hear why you went to New Mexico and yeah. what you did there. Sure. Well, I had been a few years before, back in 2015, as part of a sort of journey across a few states in that South, southern, western, I don't know, whatever part of the states it's in. We went through California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. Yes. And I just fell in love with New Mexico. I thought it was one of the most beautiful places I'd ever been and I didn't want to leave. I felt quite emotional leaving there because I just wanted to stay for longer and explore more of that part of the world. And so I when I got back, started looking into ways that I could get back there, basically. And the best way for a writer to get back places they want to go often is a writer's residency. So artist residencies are across all disciplines. And for a writer, it can afford time and space, sometimes money to do, you know, just what you want to do. Just sit down and concentrate on writing, go somewhere that's inspiring, meet interesting people. And I found one that was in New Mexico in a town called Taos, uh, which is up in the mountains, um, sort of near Santa Fe. And I just thought, okay, this is my future. (laughs) I will be going here. And I started applying um, probably back in 2017, even 2017, 2018. And I didn't get in a couple of years and that was disappointing. And then the last year that I applied, again, I didn't get in, but I was put on a wait list. And, you know, maybe a month later, after I'd already kind of just made peace with the fact that I wasn't going there and that, you know, I wasn't sure if I'd apply again the next year. I received an email in the middle of the night that I read first thing waking up that said that they were offering me a place. Wow. So that was just one of the best emails ever. And I was very excited and, you know, everything started falling into place in my mind and I 
started travel planning immediately. <laughs> so, so Claire, just, Claire, can you tell yeah. us, does this connect with your first story as part of your PhD? It ended up connecting. The way that I applied was to actually finish my PhD book Handshake while I was there. And so the idea was that I'd be working on my PhD and working on the book in New Mexico for three months. Yeah. But it didn't quite work out that way because of COVID. Oh, so, right. <laughs> of course, COVID interrupted everything. It absolutely did, especially international travel. Yeah. So I didn't get to go that year. That was the first time that the residencies were cancelled, was the session that I was supposed to take part in. And I was rescheduled to about eight, nine months down the track. That again was cancelled and that was less so because all of the residencies were cancelled and more because I wasn't sure that international travel from Australia to the United States would be open again yet. So I think other people in the States were able to go to those residencies, but it just didn't make sense for me to be planning on an international trip when Qantas, you know, still hadn't reopened bookings for, for flights yet. So postponed it again, and by the time it actually rolled around, it was just over two years later. <laughs> no, so that, they were very specific challenges getting both in and out of the States for, for Australians, you know, to go. Yeah. At that time, yeah. flights in and particularly out were, you would have been stuck if you even got there. Yeah, like. probably, yeah. And I looked into the various exemptions that you could apply for in order to travel but it just didn't seem smart or safe and because the residency um, organizer was being so generous in offering to keep postponing it I just thought it would be smarter to take advantage of that postpone one more time and finally in September 2022 I was able to get on a plane and take all my things and fly to New Mexico. So persistence was, and dedication. Uh, so this is where the dedication really came to play because we also know in your second podcast, you had challenges there for diagnosis of ADHD that um, really hit home for you in 2020. So that was a challenge that you had to get through and then that then played out and then you continued with this dedication and had the future focused to get through to this residency and stayed dedicated to it to get to 2022 to continue your goal. Yeah, and it was difficult. You know, I mentioned in the previous podcast that not having things to look forward to during COVID and over that time of lockdown was really difficult and particularly losing this really exciting thing, yes. not, you know, once but twice was kind of hard to come to terms with and to keep positive about the fact that it would eventually happen. Yeah. Um, it just kind of felt for a while there that there was no point even thinking about it anymore because none of us knew if we'd ever you know, travel internationally again or within the next five, 10 years. Like there was just no way to know. And so I just tried to block it from my mind, which, you know, who knows if that was a helpful way to go about it or if it, you know, took some of the 
imaginative travel that you can do when you are still planning and thinking about things maybe took some of that away but regardless at least it did eventually happen and um, once once I was in the plane it felt real until that point I was constantly second guessing whether or not it would actually happen and I think that's a lot of people you know around that time when we started being able to fly internationally again it just didn't feel real until you were actually in the plane <laughs> over, you know, a landmass or ocean somewhere and you were actually on your way to a destination. And that when I was and when it all was realistic and actually happening, um, it felt amazing. And getting there and flying in in a tiny little plane over the mountains in New Mexico and landing in this tiny little <laughs> airport with just a sweet little shack picking up my bags and getting picked up by the uh, local bus driver who always came out to the airport to see if there was anyone that needed a free trip back to town it was just me so just me bundled into this rickety old bus and he drove me straight to the door of my um, of my residency accommodation because he had no one else there and thought why not let's just make it a bit easier with all your bags and then I was there and it was just bizarre to be somewhere different. Not only not in Australia, but not in my house that I'd been in basically 97% of the time <laughs> for about three years. So a solo trip on your own um, to this strange yeah. place in New Mexico mm-hmm. and a poet ready to see the unexpected joys or surprises and you're ready Mm -hmm. to be inspired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think part of it was that I was one of, I think, 10 artists of various disciplines that were there for that period of time. And so it was really special to be in a community of people, like-minded people, that were all taking time away from their regular lives to, to do that, to look for inspiration, to work on a project, to think about things in a different way, in a different place. And that was really, really exciting for me, not having had that for quite a while, of course, with COVID and not feeling as connected to other artistic people, to have them right next door. You know, we had our little casitas, which are, you know, small house. We each had one of those on this large property that was the uh, grounds of the foundation that, ran the residency and we'd you know get together in the common room and put the projector on and watch movies and we'd have little you know outings together we go in groups to look at local sites and go on hikes bushwalks (laughs) so yeah it was it was amazing and I didn't do as much writing as I thought I would or thought I should for I think various reasons But the main thing that I got out of it was a reminder that the world is huge and there are so many different ways to approach living and thinking and your day-to-day. And it's easy to get caught up in your routine, which can be really, really helpful and has been really helpful for me. But that isn't the only thing that's out there and it can be really refreshing and invigorating to see something new, 
to meet new people, to place yourself somewhere um, unknown, maybe scary. There are bears and coyotes and all sorts of things out there. You'd hear the coyotes at night when they were on their hunts, which was quite spooky and amazing. I'd open the windows so I could hear them, even though it was minus eight degrees. They sound like really memorable interactions with both people and nature that you were Mm. having out there and somewhat profound for your mind to be gathering those memories. Yeah, it was, and it'll really stick with me for a long time. I think it was so impactful because it came after COVID and the PhD and because I didn't have a large project anymore. I'd finished the book. I'd finished Handshake and my PhD. I'd already been awarded it. I'd already moved on. (laughs) And I was kind of able to approach it with a blank slate, really, which is something that I hadn't had for quite a while. The previous projects have been driven by my honours thesis, my PhD, none of them were as open to how I was feeling at the time, where I was, what I was reading and could be driven by that rather than someone telling me I had three years to complete a book for for a particular academic project. So your personal and artistic growth had already occurred So by the time you got to your residency. So it sounds like this was more to open up a pathway forward for your future by the time that you got to to experience this this place that was so different to where you had grown up in this small town of Newcastle where we're from. Yeah, it it was an interesting time to be there for me having already kind of been diagnosed with ADHD and medicated for that, having gotten through a lot of the anxiety and depression a couple of years prior and being able to recognize when things were going wrong a lot more. Because the reality was that I was still on my own in a foreign country for the first time in a really long time for three months without my partner, without my family and the comfort of my home and my dog. And I had gotten quite deeply connected to those things and Mm -hmm. I guess reliant on that security and safety and familiarity. And so it really was quite a lot to be in that position yeah Um, a really big deal and I did find yeah I found that some of the anxiety came back and I was also at really high altitude and I never felt those effects before yeah um the town that I was in was above the altitude of the peak of Mount Kosciuszko oh so I was just at that yeah high level of altitude all the time which impacts your breathing, um, it can impact your heart rate. And so those traditionally um, anxiety-related feelings that I'd learned to identify and go, okay, well, you're anxious now. Let's find out why and see what we can do. Were happening physically regardless of whether I was feeling anxious or not. And so it got a little muddled for me as to when I was anxious, when I wasn't, and then, of course, I always was because I started thinking about it too much and just sort of over overthinking how I was feeling with those particular sort of physical breathing heart rate responses. So, you know, that wasn't great and I did struggle through quite a lot of it. I had the support of 
the close friends that I made when I was there, which was really amazing. And I was able to go over and talk to them whenever I needed or just have a cup of tea or go out and get ice cream, which we did every Saturday. Nice. How long was your residency, Claire? It was planned to be three months, but I came back early in the end. And that's primarily because my beautiful dog was in a really bad way and it was very sudden and we were told that he may not make it through the weekend. And I was just sort of distraught that he would pass away with me having been away for so long and thinking that I was just gone and, you know, pet owners were very, very sensitive to those kinds of things. So I booked flights back, you know, in tears on my bed, just broken. But I'd also been thinking about coming back earlier. I felt like I'd already mentally achieved what I wanted to, which was to break out of the cycle of being at home, feel more open to trying different things. I'd started work on a novel, which had always been my aim, and I was just feeling really homesick and like I wasn't as in control of my emotions and mental health as I would like to be. Yeah. And so where I have been thinking, look, I'll stick it out. I'll be okay. I'll, um, I'll, it's only a couple of weeks more. Once the problem came up with the dog, I just thought, well, look, you're not feeling great anyway. Just go home. Just and, you, and you've achieved what you wanted to achieve by the sounds of it. Yeah. And you'd made some brilliant connections and you'd had experienced your residency. Looking back, what advice would you give to aspiring poets or artists considering residency experience in a, pl- in a new place like you, you went to, to New Mexico? Yeah, well, just to keep applying to begin with because I, you know, didn't get through the first few times and it's perseverance that allows you to get to those really amazing um, opportunities and to think about how you could be working on your portfolio, your CV in the meantime, so that when you apply next, it's even better. You've got more to offer. You've got a project that's really exciting and interesting. And also to make sure you know or have an idea about how long you think would be a good time for you. Yeah. Um, if you are going all that way over the other side of the world, it isn't easy to get back if you feel that you've been away too long. So, you know, what I found was that probably six weeks is a good amount of time for me. Yeah. Um, 12 weeks, maybe too long. <laughs> so, so, so know your limits. And so that's knowing yourself. The other thing that is just amazing about you, Claire, is that you, you knew that you had stayed your time and so you said time for me to go you didn't put there was no reason to put yourself through longer so your dedication and looking back you have this amazing experience so you said it's time to go and that is just great to know yourself and love yourself that much yeah and it was helped by the fact that while I was over there I was a finalist for the Newcastle Poetry Prize which is Um, one of the larger poetry prizes in Australia and I obviously wasn't able to be at the ceremony Um, my beautiful husband and my mum went but I collected some of the other residents together and we made popcorn and had drinks and 
streamed the ceremony from our little main house and I won which was incredible yeah and exciting to have all of them there with me for that experience but it also meant that I had this injection of money that I hadn't planned for and that was there able to support me to make that expensive choice of coming home earlier because Uh you can't just move your flights for free and everything's Uh fine you know I had to book new flights a day out which as you can imagine particularly just post-covid wasn't cheap but I was able to do that without feeling really conflicted about spending basically all I had left to end this residency that I put so much into and had been so excited about so it was really kind of the timing of receiving that poetry prize that allowed me to take care of myself and go home when I needed to without fear or guilt or second guessing I just did it just do it I think just do it is a great thing to say and with that Claire I'm going to ask you just as we end I think it's a perfect time to ask you to read one of your poems, one of my favourite ones in your book, Handshake. It's called Being Asked How to Cope. Would you mind reading that for us? Yeah, sure. Being Asked How to Cope. I am not qualified to give that kind of advice. I sleep on a boomerang pillow wrapped around me and I hug it for warmth. Can you open your eyes underwater? Perhaps that's what I'm lacking. A vision cut slick across the lenses. Washing the dishes, the sweat sticks around my T-zone, salty like feta, like my sinuses. I scrub and wipe and scrub. And I don't know if it's my honesty that disarms you or the wind chimes, but I'm sending all my wishes regardless. Beautiful. One of my favourites in your book. Mm -hmm. So thank you again, Dr. Claire Albrecht. You're thoughts, your poetry, your writings are just beautiful and thank you for sharing it with the world. Thank you. It's been lovely again. See you next week. This is only part of our story. To hear the rest, leap forward to the next podcast and give us five stars wherever you listen. Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott.